praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, I got a joke for you. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks so much. All right, so several children found a dead robin. Feeling that that proper burial should be performed, they secured a small box and some cotton batting, and they dug a hole in the backyard. Any of you ever done that? You found like a dead lizard? Or you like killed the lizard because you're experimenting with a glass and, and the sun rays? You ever done that? And then you felt bad and you needed to bury it? You never did that? You learn a little bit about science, and it's like, wow, what can I do with a magnifying glass in the sun? Nobody? Okay, thank you. Thank you, people. Thank you. Okay, so they, um, they found a dead robin. Doesn't say they killed it, though. They made a hole in the backyard, and they were ready to dispose of the deceased. And so the minister's five-year-old son was chosen to say the prayer. And so with great dignity, he got up, and he says, Glory be to the Father, and unto the Son, and into the hole he goes. Thank you. <laughs> Get it? Holy Ghost, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or into the hole he goes. Sometimes you don't realize what the kids pick up, or even just adults, your perception of what's being taught or what is being said, right? That was a good one. I laughed pretty hard on that one. All right, here's another one. Visiting his grandparents, a small boy opened the big family Bible, and he was fascinated as he fingered through all the pages, and then suddenly something fell out. And he picked it up, and he found that it was an old leaf that had been pressed flat between the pages. Any of you ever pressed a, done a pressing of a flower or stuff? Okay. So then he said, Mom, look what I found. And his mother said, well, what have you got, dear? With astonishment in his voice, he said, I think it's Adam's underwear. <laughs> it fell out of the Bible. <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay, one more, one more. I've got to give you one more. Uh, listen, we haven't missed church except three Sundays in the past six years, so I can tell you that if you cannot have fun in church and you cannot laugh in church, then we are in trouble. So we're going to have some fun today. Okay, here's one. This is a good one. Two boys are walking home from church, and after hearing a strong preaching on the devil, one said to the other, what do you think about all that Satan stuff? And the other boy replied, well... You know how Santa Claus turned out. It's probably just your dad. <laughs> I'm sorry, if you were here, if you weren't here last week, then you don't know why I read that one. Because I was teaching kids' church, but I listened to the videos, and Kevin taught um, a message about how to be aware of your enemy. And he was teaching about some of the characteristics that the enemy, you know, has and how he comes against you. <laughs> and he even mentioned the Santa Claus reference. That was really funny. All right, you got it. For those of you who are visual, uh, you have that picture? Did you have it up there? You do? Okay, throw it up there. We only have to number the head hairs, right? So the angels are like, okay, you know, the Bible says that all the hairs on your head are numbered. That's a good one. Any of you with back hair and leg hair that you want to F a lady out? I'm sorry. That was perfect. The Lord totally set that up. Oh, gosh. That's good. Hey, we're talking about joy today. That's another reason why I wanted to uh, get you in a pleasant mood um, with some fun stuff this morning. The Bible says he, he sits in the heavens and laughs. And Ephesians tells us to be imitators of God. So you are supposed to have something about your countenance that reflects him in the way of laughter and in the way of joy. So what exactly is joy? Anyone want to answer? A new car. A new car. <laughs> right. 
You may have a feeling kind of like joy, but that's not really joy. I'm going to give you um, uh, an excerpt out of Rick Renner. He wrote a book called Sparkling Gems. It is excellent. Um, a great devotional that goes deep. Here he says, divine joy isn't on the same level as mere happiness. So we're not talking about just being happy. Happiness is based on a circumstantial pleasure, merriment, hilarity, exuberance, excitement, and something that causes one to feel hopeful or to be in high spirits. These fleeting emotions of happiness, although they're very, very pleasurable at the moment, they usually go as quickly as they came. And all it takes is one piece of bad news, a sour look from an employee, a harsh word from a spouse, an electric bill that's larger than you thought it was going to be, and that emotion of happiness can disappear right before your eyes. But joy, this is what we're talking about today, joy is unaffected by outward circumstances, in fact, it usually thrives best when times are tough. What we're talking about today, this joy that comes from God, it actually thrives best when times are tough. It is God's supernatural response to the devil's attack. Joy is actually something supernatural. And it is the response that God has given you. It's actually a weapon that God has given you to counter the attacks of the enemy. It's pretty important, don't you think? Have you ever thought about joy as being like that? God's given it to you for a reason, counter. Counter the attacks of the enemy. Psalm 30, verse 11 says, you've turned my mourning into dancing, and you've taken away my clothes of mourning, and you've clothed me with joy. Well, here, mourning in the Hebrew, it means lament. Lament means a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, an expression of regret or disappointment, a complaint. So here he's saying, God, you've turned my grief and my sorrow into joyful dancing. You've turned my regrets and my disappointments into joyful dancing. You've turned my complaining into joyful dancing. And then he says, you've taken away my clothes of mourning and you've clothed me with joy. And clothed right there in the Hebrew means equip. God has equipped you with exceeding joy. And if he's equipping you with joy, you must need it for something that lies ahead. There's an equipping. So sometimes when you come into those services and it's kind of like, oh gosh, okay, have you ever been in a service where there's just filled with joy and people are laughing and maybe sometimes people run and maybe sometimes they shout and maybe sometimes they dance a little bit? Have you ever not felt what they were feeling and you kind of thought, what is going on with them? I've been there. I've totally done that. And the Lord catches me every time and he says, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're experiencing and you don't know what I'm equipping them for that lies ahead. You, might, you may not be going where they're going, so you may not need what they need. But I'm equipping them right now. That's my child and they need this for what lies ahead. So sometimes whenever people dance, whenever people laugh in church, whenever people shout, whenever they run, it may not be because they feel it. Because this type of joy that we're talking about is not a feeling. It's a supernatural response that rises up from within. And notice here that God's given you this supernatural response to counter part of your soul, your emotions, shame, 
defeat, devastation, hopelessness, all of those emotions that the enemy brings because he can't really attack you. He can't really jump on you and mess with you. The only thing he can do is slide a thought in there. So he slides thoughts of hopelessness and thoughts of despair in there, and then he wants you to just catch that thought and think about it. Oh, gosh, well, maybe, well, maybe there is something wrong with me. Well, why am I not laughing? There's times when people can be sitting in a joy-filled service and the Holy Spirit is moving and the enemy is attacking that person so hard because they think that it's a feeling that's supposed to jump on them when it's not. It's an action. You act by faith. We're about to get to that because when you rejoice and when you have joy, it's a conscience choice. You choose to have joy. And the expression of joy is rejoicing. And let me get back. I don't want to get ahead of myself. John 16, 24 says, now, until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That's Jesus talking, red letters. Jesus wants your joy to be full. And he says it in numerous times in the New Testament. I'm telling you this so that your joy can be full. I'm writing this to you so that your joy can be full. I need to come and see you face to face, Paul says, so that your joy can be made full. We're supposed to be joyful people, joyous people, not happy. Happy comes and goes. And not that you can't be happy. Sure, you can be happy. But there is a joy that comes on the inside. When he says that your joy may be full, the Greek word there is to make complete to fill you to individual capacity. Jesus wants you to be filled to your individual capacity as much as you can hold. And he knows just what you can hold. He wants you to be filled with all the joy that you can hold. And he knows exactly how much you're capable of having, how much joy you can hold, amply supplied. Come on, he's the provider. He supplies this joy for you. It's not anything that you have to work up. It's actually already in you. If you're saved, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you have this on the inside, even if you've never tapped into it. Learning about it today. Another part of the Greek definition is fully carry. I was laughing because he, he had talked about concealed carry, you know. And, and yeah, we'd be packing in church, you know. But you'd be packing some joy when you walk out the door. This is one thing that Christians are supposed to be carrying. You're supposed to be carrying it. Man, I'm just walking into Walmart. I got my concealed carry joy on the inside. Just wait. Look what I got. I'm going to show you. I've totally done that before. I go in the toy department, and I just start playing with the toys. And I made some great friends in Walmart because I just go in there, and I'm packing my joy. I'm full of the joy of the Lord. And if I can get an employee that will stop and talk to me for a minute, well, I just unload on them. I just let that joy out, carrying joy, made complete. Jesus wants you to be made complete. That's what he means by your joy may be full. You're not complete unless your joy is full. A lot of times people think that if I could just have the right job, if I could just live in the right house, if my checking account would just reach this number, life is going to be amazing. I'll feel complete in my life that I've got everything that I need. Right here, he says, when your joy is made full, the Greek means they're to be made complete. You're supposed to have this. Joy is a fruit. That means you can grow in it. 
So if you think, well, I don't have this or this isn't for me, no, your fruit just may be kind of tiny. Little bitty. But you can grow in it, and you're supposed to grow in it. The Greek word for joy is chara, C-H-A-R-A. And it's derived from the word charis, which is the Greek word for grace. So right there, he's telling us that joy comes out of grace. God has given you the gift of joy. It's a fruit, and it's on the inside of you the minute you get saved. And it comes from his grace because he loves you so much. He just wants to lavish this on you. It's important to note, for it tells us categorically that the joy or chara is produced by grace of God, charas. And it says this means that joy isn't a human-based happiness that comes and goes. Rather, true joy is divine in origin. It is a fruit of the Spirit that is manifested particularly in hard times. This joy is manifested particularly in hard times. When you see somebody praising, don't ever be critical of how loud they're being or how foolish you think they're looking because they may be going through some extreme pressure in hard times and that joy is just manifesting on the inside and it's bringing them strength and it's helping them to leap over the wall and not keep running into that wall. Sometimes... Uh, people may feel happiness and merriment and hilarity and exuberance and excitement or high spirits, but this is all fleeting. But joy is a spirit-given expression that flourishes best when times are strenuous, when times are daunting. Ever felt that way? When times are tough. That's a great opportunity for the joy of the Lord to be manifested in your life. Kind of, he just mentioned it a little bit in the offering, you know, and, and um, a lot of times people do, they look, they look at us and they think, oh my gosh, you don't ever go through anything. You're always so happy and everything is great for you. Sometimes they like actually tell you that and it just makes me kind of laugh and giggle and sometimes I've laughed out loud, not ever meaning to offend anybody, but it's funny sometimes whenever people think that we haven't been through anything, um, For me personally, I think whenever I started to learn about the joy of the Lord, uh, coming from uh, a time whenever I had before I knew Jesus, I myself opened the door to the enemy through substance abuse and let him in. And he wreaked havoc in my life. And it got to a point to where I was scared to be by myself. And I felt like something was crawling on me all the time. Like I could not get it off. Like, oh my, something is wrong. And I I unknowingly had opened the door. And and then a few months later, I got saved. And when I found out about the joy of the Lord, that I didn't have to wait on everything to line up, for the stars to align, for the boss to say this, for the bank account to hit this, that I could actually just choose to have joy, that blew my mind. I mean, I just blew my mind. But I grabbed hold of that so hard, and I just said, okay, man, that's all I got to do? Great. I choose joy. I choose joy. And then, of course, at that opportunity, you get every, every opportunity right then to exercise the choice you just made, you know. But right then, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to choose joy today. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Thank you, God, for strengthening me today. I choose joy. 
And in the beginning, it's hard because you're not used to it. It's like riding a bike. In the beginning, you're awkward. You take those training wheels off and you don't have your balance and you have to keep going at it, keep going at it. The more you keep going, though, you catch your balance and you're like, oh, I got this. So for me, for us, that's how it's been. Our life, we've chosen joy. And so when hard times come, we don't respond with dread and despair. And, and I'm not saying that we don't ever get down. There are times whenever sometimes something may start to cause him to be down or me to be down. But the great thing about this union, because we choose joy together, is he's got my back and I've got his back. And if he ever catches me saying, hey, is everything all right? He's praying for me and he's encouraging me with the word of God. And that strengthens my joy. And for me, the same thing. If I ever see him, I come with encouraging words. And I pray for him, for the joy of the Lord to be made full in his life. And if you say, well, I'm not married, I don't have that luxury. That's what the church is for. When you come on Sunday morning, we believe God. People are stationed at the door to greet you with a smile and a hug and a high five. It is on purpose that we do that. Because people do get beat down through life, and you don't know this is going on. So when you come into church, I want you to feel the love of God. I want it to just envelop your children as they come into children's church. And so that's strategic. We want, I, I, I look to create an atmosphere that is fun, that they come and they say, I don't want to be anywhere else. I just want to be here. Even my own child, whenever she, she used to tell me, Mom, I want to have a birthday party at church. And I want a giant cake. You know, like you did the five-year celebration and you had a band and you had a dunking booth. Can we do that for my birthday? I love that that's what she thought of. Now, we, we didn't make it all play out like that, you know, but, but I love that that was her first response was that she loves to come to the house of God. She loves to meet with the people of God. And there isn't any other place she'd rather have her birthday party except that at his house. That's just confirmation in my heart knowing, okay, that's good. We're creating an atmosphere here. And the joy of the Lord is present because she wants to be there. Listen, joy is a fruit. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You can grow in it. How do you grow in joy? Anyone. That's what, how, do you grow, how do you go to the gym and you work out these muscles? How do I work them out? What am I doing? I'm exercising. I'm lifting. I'm working it. So you got to work your joy muscle. So there's times when you don't feel like having joy. You have to override that feeling sensation and say, I choose joy. I choose joy. God, you're good. And the way that you do that is focusing on his goodness. Because as bad as your situation may ever seem, the goodness of God will always trumpet. And when you start to magnify the goodness of God and magnify him instead of the situation, that's when the joy of the Lord starts to rise up on the inside of you. And that feeling will, over be, it will be overrided and changed from sad or tired or fatigued to strength is coming in my body now. And it takes you lifting your voice. And sometimes it may take a dance. You've seen me before. Sometimes up here, you've seen me. And it is not always a feeling thing. Let me let you in. And some people would say, well, you're just faking it. 
And it totally depends on how you look at that. Because my joy is not dependent on my circumstance. I'm not rejoicing over what's going on in my life right now. I'm rejoicing because God is so good. And it doesn't matter what my little puny life looks like. God is faithful to his word. And he is true. And I trust him. And he's going to bring me through this thing. And he's going to bring me over the wall. I'm not hitting that wall anymore. That's why I rejoice. When you see me jump, when you see me lift my hands, it's always the motivation behind it is the goodness of God. The motivation behind it is what I've learned in my word. So the more you get into this, the more the Holy Spirit will bring you scriptures to your heart where you're at work and you need some encouragement. And then you just begin to get happy in that troubled situation. I know joy comes. Joy comes. My joy is not dependent on my circumstance. It's a conscious choice. Paul said, I think myself happy. Paul, the great apostle, I think myself happy. I'm not happy, but I'm going to go ahead and think myself happy right now. And he's talking about joy. I'm choosing to change what I'm focusing my mind on, and I'm going to focus it on the goodness of God, and I'm going to actually change the way my physical body is feeling right now. I'm going to bring those feelings all in line with what the Word of God says. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think myself happy. In Acts 11, Barnabas, he got really excited because he went to Antioch and he saw how, how Gentiles, just by the droves, were, were, were uh, converting to, to be a Christian. They were so excited. And he got so excited and full of joy that his joy started to encourage everybody around him. He went back home to tell them what they were doing. And his joy was an encouragement to other people. So by you choosing joy, it will affect not only your life, but your family, your coworkers, the person you meet at Walmart. Your joy is contagious. Listen, we know lots about, about depression and, and how it affects your mind and your body and your sleep and your appetite and you're fatigued and you have muscle aches and you have headaches and you have back pain and it slows your digestion and it causes stomach problems. God has given us a remedy to combat that situation. If you face any of that stuff, and I'm sure by no means saying that you cannot um, get some doctor advice and get some counsel, because I believe that God gives the doctors wisdom. But I believe in the power of God. I believe in the joy of the Lord as being your strength. And I can say that because I've experienced it. And it's not one of those things where you just get on for a day and see if it works. You just choose it. Every day, I choose joy. I think myself happy. When you don't have joy, it's really hard to be thankful. And in Psalms 100, it tells us that Thanksgiving is how we enter the gates. So man, the enemy, he does not want you to have joy because he wants to keep you out of the presence of God. If Thanksgiving is how we enter, you know how hard it is to be thankful whenever you are depressed? Very hard. Just about impossible. And joy and thanksgiving go together. I left you some, some lines there if you want to fill it in. I'm just going to um, 
hit some scriptures here. You don't have to put them up if you have any of those, but there's one on Psalm 28. I think I put it in your bulletin. But if you want to look these up, joy and thanksgiving go together. Psalm 95, 2 says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let's make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 97, 12, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 107, 22, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Jeremiah 30 says, there will be joy and songs of thanksgiving, and I'll multiply my people, and I will not diminish them. Isaiah 51, the Lord will comfort Israel again, and joy and gladness will be found there. Songs of thanksgiving will fill the air. Psalm 28, 7, and there's many more. I just picked a few of them, but Psalm 28, 7 says, the Lord is my strength and shield. I will trust him with all my heart. He helps me. And my heart is filled with joy, and I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. So if you don't know what to say, Psalm 28 right there is a good one. The Lord is my strength and my shield. God, I trust you. With all my heart, I trust you today. Thank you for being my strength today. You strengthen me with your joy. You're my shield. Thank God you're shielding me from some things today. Because maybe I feel like I'm being attacked, but I bet there's a whole lot more the enemy wants to unleash on me today. But praise God for that shield that's supernaturally protecting me today. I trust you. God, you help me. My heart is filled with joy today, regardless of if you feel like it. You're tapping into that inner strength that God has put in you, and it will change. It will override your natural feelings in your soul. How many of you have ever uh, been somewhere, and you went to crank your car, and it was like, what do you do? Call somebody to jump it. You got any jumper cables? You got any jumper cables? I have jumper cables in the back of my truck. I can't tell you. Since I put them in there, I put them in there just uh, knowing I wanted to help somebody else if they ever needed um, a charge. And man, I get calls all the time. I run across people, and they're just stuck on the side of the road. I'm like, you need jumper cables? I got them. I'm glad to do it. Listen, your joy is the same way. Just like that battery gets recharged once it turns on. Once you make the first choice to choose joy, ooh, it charges something in on the, on the inside of you. And every time you choose joy, you are supernaturally charging that battery. That's what the joy of the Lord is, your strength. That's what that means. Just like a battery can recharge itself in the car when you get it running, you get it started. Once the jumper cable send that signal over to the dead battery, it brings power and it brings life. And then you leave that thing running for a few minutes, right? And what's it doing? It's charging. So sometimes you may be in a service or you're even just at home. And you just get happy, like start feeling this feeling. And it may come just by a little feeling of just feel like smiling. Hmm, that's good. You can actually charge that thing by just choosing to say, <laughs> glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. God, I love you. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you're showing me in here today. Thank you for the word. Last night, I have to tell you, I was here yesterday, and I was laying right here on the floor, and I just could not stop laughing. I could not stop. It was just, it was continual to where I just had to get up and run around. 
And then I started laughing because I was thinking about a lot of you sitting in here in your faces and what you would have thinking if I would have been running around. And then I lost it, y'all. I just lost it. I could not stop. But I knew that there was something in that time that was preparing the atmosphere for who was going to be in here today and what you need. First of all, your joy and your rejoicing when you rejoice, the verb, it demonstrates your expectation. Where is your expectation? Is your expectation in your job? Is your expectation on your paycheck? Is your expectation in another person? When you begin to rejoice, you're declaring, my expectation is in the Lord. I expect you to work, God. I expect that when I obey your word, I'm going to get exactly what you said I was going to get. I expect to see the goodness of God revealed in my life. The Bible says that the righteous will not be forsaken. Well, that's me. I'm in right standing with you. So I expect to see you show up in my life right now. The Bible says you're the redeemer and you're the deliverer. And I'm struggling with this addiction right now. I expect, God, you to deliver me from this because I can't do it myself. So when you begin to jump or shout or lift your hands or laugh, or run, whatever it could be. Your demonstration is an, is, is an expectation. It's showing I'm demonstrating my expectation is in God alone. I remember being um, probably eight years old. And man, I wanted, um, I wanted this boom box, you know, where it had like the, the dual cassette tape, you know, and it had the big speakers that you could detach or you could keep them on. See, this thing was awesome. And I just knew, I just knew I'm going to get it. I'm going to get that for Christmas. Man, weeks before Christmas, I was so excited because I just knew I was going to get this thing. I'm going to get it. I'm so excited. Why am I going to get it? Well, my expectation said, I, I'm going to get this thing. My mom and dad really know that I want this. They know. I've told them like 52 times. I showed them the commercial. I even wrote it down. We were at Walmart. I found one. I showed it to them. This is one. This is one. This may be the very one. I was like, touch it. I was so excited. We should have that kind of expectation about seeing God show up in our life. When you come to church and you hear the joy of the Lord is my strength and you're feeling down and you need to take him at his word. That's just taking God at his word. God, I believe what you said and you said it. I mean, I didn't say it. I didn't make it up. That's what you said. We should have that same expectation about God working in our life. If it's a stereo or whatever it is, whatever you need, God is greater. He can do it. Psalm 119, 162 says, I rejoice in your word like one who discovers a great treasure. Anytime you read the word, the appropriate response to receiving the word of God is rejoicing. Anytime you receive the word, the appropriate response to receiving the word is rejoicing. I rejoice over your word like one who finds great treasure or great spoil, a million dollars. What would you do? How would you react if I just handed you a million dollars? What would you do? I got one person that would jump up and down. 
Anybody else? Let me hear from this side. What would you do if I had a million dollars right now and I just handed it to you? You fall on the floor. She'd fall out. That's in the Bible. What would you do, Hope and David, if you just got a million dollars? What would you do? What would be your immediate response? Not how would you spend it? She'd scream. She'd scream. That's a biblical response to rejoicing too. All right, this side over here. What would you do if you got a million dollars right now? What would be your response, Brandon? He'd run. That's a biblical response to rejoicing too. How is it so easy and we expect to see that type of a response from something so natural, something so temporary in our life? But yet when we hear about the promises of God that are eternal and we sing songs about his greatness that trumps everything, we turn our nose up or we look a little funny when somebody's like, hallelujah, glory to God. Woo, praise God. We're kind of like, okay, you can simmer down now. Just because you don't feel it. When that person may not be feeling anything, they're just responding with joy, a response of joy, a response of joy. And listen, you will have these opportunities to respond with joy at the most inopportune times because that's when your joy actually will manifest and that's when your joy will strengthen and really start to grow. Um, Smith Wigglesworth was an amazing minister um, from Europe, and he, he was in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Um, his, that's when he was alive. He's, he's not alive anymore. But um, he raised 24 people from the dead. Just saying. He raised 24 people from the dead. I think everybody here is still working on their first one, right? <laughs> Nobody's got their number two yet, right? Okay, well, let's see what he did. He had a, um, there was another minister, Lester Summerall, who would come and visit him periodically. And, and Lester Summerall asked him, he said, how is it that every time I come to see you, you're exactly the same? You're always just beaming and you're full of joy and, and you, you don't even look like you age. How is that? And this was when he was about 80 years old. I don't have any 80-year-olds in here today, do I? 80, Okay. This was his response at 80. Now we're all challenged today. He says, I get up in the morning and I dance and I rejoice before the Lord for 10 to 12 minutes. And he said, I do high speed dancing for 10 to 12 minutes. He didn't say, I feel like getting up every morning and doing this. But his response just to waking up, I get up and I dance before the Lord for 10 to 12 minutes. And then I read my word and I talk to the Lord. I guarantee you that every day that he got up and did that, he did not feel like it. I guarantee you there were days when it irritated his flesh. I don't feel like doing, <coughs> I don't feel like doing this right now, but I'm going to get happy about it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And then maybe he started to get a little faster. Glory to God. Lift his voice. 10 to 12 minutes. Sometimes the praise and worship here doesn't even last 10 to 12 minutes. And I try to get you for 30 seconds to lift your voice. And I'm not trying to get something out of you. Anytime me or somebody else is on this platform asking you to lift your voice or lift your hands or say this. It's never that. The motivation is I'm trying to get something to you. 
You need to receive this joy right now because God has something for you. You need to lift your voice right now. Holy Spirit will prompt my heart to tell you to lift your voice right now. Or everybody stand up on your feet. We're going to do this. We're going to say this together. The motivation behind it is always I'm trying to get you to receive just what God has for you right now. I don't know what it is, but he knows and he knows you need it. So I want you to have it. Listen, every fruit of the Spirit will irritate your flesh. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Can you just stop with all that? You're too happy. You're just too kind. You're just too patient. They're walking all over you. Every fruit of the Spirit will irritate your flesh. And sometimes you praise just long enough to irritate your flesh. But if you would push through that, it's like you're right at the edge. You're like, glory to God. Can we stop singing this song now? Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Okay, I've said it. You're faithful, God. Can we sit down now? Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. We're still singing this song. I'm so irritated right now. It's over. Jesus, thank you. Sometimes we only praise long enough to irritate our flesh if we would just push through that. And now if you just recognize that next time you're somewhere and you start to feel like, okay, can we just, let's move on. Can we go to bullet point number two? That's the exact point when you need to stop and say, no, I'm going to praise a little longer. Glory to God. Sing that chorus again. Don't let it irritate your flesh. Push through that to actually a point of rejoicing and let your inner man rule. Joy, get out. The anointing is called the oil of joy, and it destroys every yoke, and it, moves, it removes every burden. And sometimes you just need an oil change. You just need some fresh oil. Because if you get happy today, and you get motivated today, and you see that, God, you're so good. God, I love you. I'm filled with joy today. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You go to bed, and you wake up, and your back hurts, and your breast stinks, and you're late because your alarm didn't go off. What is going to be your response Did you change your oil? Because if you change your oil in the morning, your response is going to be, glory to God, it's going to be a good day even though I'm late. Praise God, you must have something for me. It's okay. Just need an oil change. C.S. Lewis says, joy is the serious business of heaven. It is the serious business of heaven. It's actually the atmosphere of heaven. When we all step over, It's going to be like a great party, great festival, great rejoicing, full of joy. And we're supposed to mirror that down here on earth. And that doesn't mean that you don't go through stuff. That doesn't mean that we don't go through stuff. But my response, I always want an endeavor for my first response to be an attitude of joy and to lift my voice because he is good. Not to lift my voice about the situation or the circumstance. There was three things I told you that your joy, your celebration, your rejoicing demonstrates. Number one, it's your expectation on God that he's going to move, he's going to act, and he's going to do what he said he'd do. Number two, it's a demonstration of your revelation. Whenever you receive the word and you start to rejoice like one who's discovered a million dollars, That's a revelation. So your celebration and your rejoicing demonstrates the words being revealed to you, your revelation of the word. And number three, your joy demonstrates the triumph of Christ. If you don't rejoice, the devil's going to think he's won because he doesn't know what you're thinking, but he can see your response. 
He'll try and slide some thoughts in there. And every time I get some crazy thoughts, some thought comes up or I'll see something and it just triggers a thought to counter that. I always say, glory to God. God, you're so good. God, I love you. Thank you, Father. I begin to say a scripture. I begin to lift my voice to praise the Lord because I want him to know I'm not thinking about that. I'm not. I refuse to. And for me, I I do it out loud all the time. My kids are not surprised if I'm in the kitchen. I'm like, glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That they don't blink. Not one bit. That's my response and they know it. I think the biggest thing I want you to remember, I want to end on, is you're not trying to get the victory. When you rejoice, you're rejoicing over what God's already done for you. And it really has nothing to do with how you feel. And it has nothing to do with how everything looks. Because we've definitely been in times of, of um, hurt and challenges that we faced where the only thing that brought us out was keeping our joy. And we had to constantly encourage one another. And when his dad passed, that was very, very hard for our family. And it's like, well, yeah, he went to heaven. Yeah, he did, but the natural side of you just misses him and yearns for them and longs for them. But God has given you this weapon of joy to make it through these situations. God is not sitting in the heavens and laughing at you. A lot of people have that image. That's how God is. <laughs> My gosh, didn't you see that coming? I told you not to do that. <laughs> Foolish child. That's not God. He's laughing because he sees how defeated the enemy is. And he sees you as triumphant. And he sees you as victorious. So a lot of this stuff, we have to, you need to tape these scriptures up. If this is something that you're struggling with, take some of these scriptures and you need to keep them before your eyes. You need to keep them in the forefront of your mind and in the forefront of your speaking and what you're saying. And what you say will actually take dominion over how you feel and what is going on in your physical body. God has made you that way. Your counter is, is speaking your faith, speaking the word of God. And it will change your situation. It will change what's going on between your ears. It will change what's going on in your physical body. So, so we're going to do one thing. I'm challenging you now. Mr. Don knows where I'm going with this. I'm challenging you now. Because I'm going to give you an opportunity to take that step. And the good thing is we're all going to do it together. So I'm going to count to three, and I want you to demonstrate, to rejoice how you would like to rejoice. And remember, your expectation is on God. So how do you think you should demonstrate that for him? Your demonstration is not for the person next to you. Your demonstration is for your God. Your demonstration is for yourself because you may not be feeling it right now, but I'm about to show myself what's up. I'm about to show myself who's boss, who's ruling and reigning. It's not me, it's him. And I trust him because he's bigger and he's greater.
So if that's a shout for you, if that's your hands lifted up, if that's to get up and you just need to move your feet, whatever it is, you have absolute freedom to do that right now. And nobody's going to think one thing different about you, except we're all pulling together, going forward through this thing. Because when you begin to rejoice, when you begin to demonstrate your expectation on God, that's when you start to leap over that wall. Some of you, you just come into church and you got a flat face because you have been ramming into this wall for years and you cannot get over it. But when you begin to rejoice, some things take place that you cannot see into your future, into other people's lives, into those relationships, and things will come into focus clearly. God will give you a plan. He'll show you just how, and he'll launch you over that wall. So I encourage you right now on the count of three, I just want you to demonstrate your best rejoicing. And I encourage you to do something you've never done before. If you want to expect God for something that you've never expected before, God, I really need a breakthrough in this area. I really need a breakthrough in this area. God, I really need a miracle right now. How much are you willing to demonstrate your faith in him right now? It's all between you and the Lord. On the count of three, one, two, three. energy on the inside. It totally, come on now, that is the joy of the Lord being your strength. And that is your response next time you get in a pressure and a strenuous situation. You respond with that no matter who's around, no matter what it looks like. God will come through every time. And that joy, it's in you and it will rise up on the inside and cause you to go over and not under. 